Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in, everybody, to episode 157 of the podcast that is Sweeping America, the Eratora Sports Podcast. Great show today. One of the faces of ESPN's college basketball coverage, Seth Greenberg. Greeny. Well, I guess he's not Greeny, but Seth Greenberg joining the show later. We talk all sorts of things. He's actually been doing more NBA stuff this summer, so we talked a little KD uh, we talk a little bit about college basketball this summer, grad transfers, is the system broken, why Adam Silver's an idiot, all the basic stuff that we talk about on this show from time to time. And he's also here to talk about the TBT, the basketball tournament, which is coming all over the country this summer, uh, including the Lexington, Kentucky, where he will be. Before we get to that, another distinguished, honored guest. I mean, you're not really a guest, Nick Coffey, but you know, you're just kind of a guy that hangs out every so often on the pod. It's, you're, you're too prominent to be called a guest. What, what should I call you? I mean, are you my co-host? A contributor. Or, con- yeah, okay. I like that. That sounds good. I like that. Contributor. That's what I've been saying, so we'll just keep it consistent. All right. Well, Nick Coffey, you know Nick, the contributor to the Aratora Sports Podcast. I sometimes contribute to his show, The Red Zone, 790KRD. You can hear him 12, uh, 7 to 10 Eastern in Louisville. By the way, Nick, I haven't talked to you since our appearance on Kentucky Sports Radio together. Uh, as best I can tell, everyone seemed to like you. I only got one tweet that was like, oh, why are you bringing on the Loserville guy? Um, have you gotten any of those? Did you get a lot of those? Did you get none of those? I saw one. No, I mean, I, I mean most people who reached out um, had, you know, just they just said they enjoyed I guess the show that you and I did together, obviously you did the full two hours. I was with you for about 40 minutes in the second hour. You know, I was actually happy of the non-response. Now, always good to get good response, but, you know, there was a time where it would, you know, it would have been unheard of for me to do that. I would have, I would have been in trouble with the folks on Floyd Street at UofL. They just wouldn't have liked that. Um, but now nobody cares. There's been a complete culture change at UofL. And uh, I think you and I, obviously, the, the, the change in leadership has had a huge part of it. But I think, you know, you and I have doing this together for as long as we have. It's kind of shown that if you give it a try, it, it's not red versus blue at all. It, it's in fact nothing like that. And it's, you know, despite a large chunk of this listener listening audience not really being on the same side as me, that rarely even comes up or comes into play on this show. So all you have to do is listen for a for a minute, and you'd be able to tell that. Oh, exactly. And it was something that, you know, the last time that you were on with me, we talked about a little bit as far as like, 
you know, even from the opposite perspective, from the red perspective, if if you will, uh, Louisville fans are like, oh, you're you're a closet Kentucky fan, or you love Kentucky because you're friends with Matt Jones, and it's like uh, now this just kind of like you know you can't. It's it's like the. Uh, it's like the battle scene in Eight Mile with uh, Eminem, right? Like when he basically says, "Like, yeah, I'm white. I'm from the wrong side of the tracks, whatever." Like once you just put it on the table, there's nothing for your, I guess, haters if you have them to come back with. It's like, no, yeah, I, 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 I am friends with Matt Jones. Uh, I can talk about Kentucky without saying that they're the evil empire and the worst thing that ever happened, and John Calipari is the scum of the earth. And now it's like, I feel like even from the opposite perspective, what are people really going to say? Like, you kind of just threw it on the table. Like, no, I, I can talk about both sides without being a total jerk about one of them. And because I have a pretty consistent platform here to talk about, and I do on my show as well, because although you, and that's why I always tell people who listen to this, my show is not in three hours of UL, you know, baseball going to the College World Series right now. It's, you know, I try to stick with what I think people in my, listening audience uh what they enjoy what they like it that's both teams so um yeah I, I think having this platform here though has really made it just seem natural to where now here, here's how i'll put it you know whenever i would mention you know kentucky man they didn't really look very good last night i don't know if they're in prime form you know you used to get well what about louisville and now i don't get that as much because they can tell i can you know i can i can objectively talk about both sides and i would say that my brand is that i'm pretty, pretty uh, I don't want to say harsh, but I'm very much realistic and level-headed about UofL, too, to where obviously I have rooting interest. I want to see them do well, but I've kind of always been one of the few uh, in this area that will clearly, if it sucks, I'll say it sucks. Yeah, no, and and, uh, and that's why I've loved doing this show with you for the last year and a half, and so let's get into it. Before I mention uh, anything else, I should say, as always, Please subscribe to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. You can do it on iTunes. By the way, a lot of new subscribers since Nick and I both appeared on Kentucky Sports Radio, so thank you for doing that. Uh, we uh, also are on, if you have an Android, go to the Podcast Addict app. That is where I listen to this show. Tune in radio, Pod Paradise, wherever you listen to, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can basically get this show. Also, please, 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 please rate and review the show. Uh, Five-star Five-star responses are welcomed. Uh, Instagram, follow on the Instagram page, Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast. I actually had a funny rant on Team USA soccer yesterday. I kind of went off on on the masses, and Nick and I will talk about that in a minute. And finally, Aaron Torres sports. Uh, if you have any questions, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. I've answered them at the end of most of these shows. Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. Really quick, I think it's going to be a little bit of a different show today, right? We are basically out of the the rush and uh, excitement of the college basketball offseason. All the big names have committed. All the coaching changes have happened. All of the graduate transfers except Kerry Blackshear have committed. Not really a lot to talk about um, as far as that's concerned. So, Listen, if, if you came here for like 45 minutes of diehard college basketball, like let's break down uh, Tennessee's depth chart, like this probably isn't the episode to listen to. I should mention, by the way, Seth Greenberg is on the back end and we do talk a little college hoops. I think Nick and I are going to go a little broader today. Uh, look, you know, at the NBA Finals is all anybody's talking about. Um, you know, NBA draft coming up, so we'll probably hit a little bit on that. But for people who are looking for 45 minutes on 
Kerry Blackshear's visits and what does it mean and what well he went to this school but not that school like like as we get information we'll share it but right now as we record here on Wednesday afternoon there isn't a ton of new information so I think Nick and I are just gonna like talk some NBA but before we do Nick I'll be honest I, I went on Twitter this morning um just drinking a cup of coffee just trying to relax and, and start my day Wednesday morning and what do I see Nick Coffey going off on the masses about Team USA women's soccer. So I'll ask you this, Nick. When you started prepping for your week on Monday, how much time were you planning to devote to Team USA women's soccer and the Women's World Cup? I swear to anything. If I'm lying, I'm dying. I didn't even know the World Cup was getting ready to take place (laughs) or that it was already going on. I'm not even kidding. I didn't know. Was not aware. I mean, it made sense because I've heard a little bit about it, but I didn't even realize it was getting ready to start. And then on uh, Tuesday afternoon, of course, they're just completely annihilating Thailand. They win 13 nothing, and they're showing little Thailand children in the crowd crying. It was a massacre. They were also celebrating after they were scoring goals. And it, first thing first, this is apparently a tournament, so I've learned that goal differential does matter. Yep. Therefore, it's important to score as many as you can, get them in while you can. Also, you know, I, I think it was, 20, yeah, it was Tony Kornheiser who last summer he had on his, he no longer does radio. I think he's one of the best that ever did radio, but he now just does everything through his podcast. And he had a soccer take that has just stuck with me ever since I heard it because it hit me. The light bulb went off in my head as soon as he started laying it out. And it is that those of us, and I've tried, there's, I mean, we're partners with, a, 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 I guess it's a pro soccer league, but it's, it's right below MLS, New City FC. They've won back-to-back USL Cups in Louisville. It is our only pro team in the city, and we're a partner with them. So I've tried to educate myself on the sport. I've tried to watch it and be a somewhat knowledgeable viewer, and I just can't do it. I can't get into it. There's nothing about it that's the sport itself that I find entertaining. It just doesn't do it for me. And Kornheiser mentioned that, in America, we like action. We like points. We like scoring. And, you know, I know some sports that we like, hockey, baseball doesn't have a whole lot, but they're always trying to score. That's the point of it. Whereas in soccer, you get a two-goal lead, you're literally trying not to score. And that, to me, has just never been entertaining. And I think that's why soccer has, has slowly but surely become more popular in America. It is not caught on here like it has elsewhere because we are just programmed to one action. Again, there's some hockey games that end in a score of two goals to one, but at, at every point of the game, there's action. Somebody's trying to score. And I think that's just why, you know, the, the, the American reaction yesterday, even people like myself who don't really give a damn about the Women's World Cup, you're thinking, hell yeah, they keep pounding them. And I think that's just kind of naturally what a lot of people like. And another thing is, and I don't know how much I agree with this, but there is something to be said for if you were to just kind of toy with Thailand and not take them serious like that might have actually been kind of disrespectful to them as well yeah no I did a little thing on the Instagram page and for people who are listening the it'll probably expire by then because it's one of those 24-hour stories but what I basically said was two things first of all love America big big fan of America love my red white and blue Um, and these losers that are on social media like, oh it's oh it's bad sportsmanship and we're celebrating too much and blah 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 it's like, so my, my initial thing is two thoughts. One, it's the very simple Jimmy Johnson, old school Miami Hurricanes football. Like, dude, if you don't want people scoring on you, stop them. Be better. And like, we shouldn't be penalizing 
our women for being better prepared, better trained, better coached, and for the country itself for putting more resources in. But here was my bigger point, Nick, and I think this is kind of where you were leaning with the last thing that you said. We've all played competitive sports, okay? So uh, another thing, by the way, and this is something that the nerds and losers that want everyone to get a trophy uh, don't realize, is that sometimes in life, getting your ass beat is the best thing that could possibly happen to you. It is. It makes you better. It makes you mentally tougher. It might make you physically tougher. So there's that element of it. And then finally, here's the other thing that really kind of grinds my gears. If you've played sports, you know this. Losing six to nothing in soccer when you know the other team isn't trying to score, like is actively not trying to embarrass you, is actually just as embarrassing as losing 13 nothing. Nick, I know you were a big-time high school basketball star in the state of Kentucky. You finished, I think, eighth in <laughs> Mr. Basketball. Uh, listen, if you're playing uh, Lexington Catholic or whoever is the, the big school there, isn't it just as bad if they're up 80-20 to 20 in the second quarter and they pull all their starters after halftime as it is if they just beat you a hundred and twenty to twenty. I don't know if that made sense, but you see where I'm going with this. Yeah, no, it's like when they put the manager in, who's never been a part of the team before. Like, that, if you're ever in that situation, that is more humiliating. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll use this uh, example. Devil Sweeney put in his son at quarterback against Louisville this year. That's how bad we were. I mean, wow. And that that is one of the, you know, on one finger, those are the that, that those that's one of the first things that comes to mind when I just think about how embarrassing that season was. Now, man, you still get your ass kicked. But it's the little things like that that kind of make it a true embarrassment. And I think if you're, again, if you just are taking them serious and you, you know, feel sorry for them, a true competitor would not like that. No, I don't disagree. So you and I are on the same page here. Uh, not any uh, worth getting into it anymore because I think we're on the same page here. So let's talk NBA Finals because, you know, look, so here's the thing, right? You and I have been sort of, not sort of, we've both been very anti-Warriors. I don't want this to turn into an anti-Warriors thing. Um, because I think this finals has been fascinating um, and stuff that I've talked about on my radio show and even a little bit on this podcast here and there is like, look, I think Toronto's way better than we thought they were. Uh, I think that Portland made thing made, you know, gave us a false sense of reality about how good Golden State is because maybe Portland's just not good. But this KD thing, I've been amazed to see it take on a life of its own since the injury happened. And so here's my quick take, and then I'll, I'll lob it over to you, is we all watch that game, right? Like like anybody listening to this podcast at least knows what happened. I'm guessing probably was watching live. And I think all of our reaction was, oh, shit, man. That that really sucks. Like, I, oh, I feel so bad for KD. He wanted to come back. He wanted to be part of the team. He wanted to prove his doubters wrong. Um and it turned into this weird, like, and, and when the injury happened, there was never a moment where I was like, okay, who, well, well, who's to blame? Is it KD? Is it Steve Kerr? Is it the, the Warriors medical staff? Is it the front office? Is it like, like, and that's what the last 36 hours have turned into. Th that was a little bit surprising to me. I thought we would get the reaction of should KD have played, should he not have played, but I've been surprised. I feel like the biggest reaction to the injury itself was, okay, who's to blame? Is it KD? Is it Steve Kerr? Is it Bob Myers? And that, to me, has been kind of a surprising byproduct of that whole thing. 
Yeah, and I think this is a situation where there's a good chance there's really nobody specifically to point the finger at. But if you are going to say there's somebody at fault for this result, that requires us getting answers to some questions that we probably won't get the answer to. And, and that, you know, that's what conversations took place beforehand. Was it Katie saying, look, I don't care what you say, I'm going to play. But, you know, I understand I mean, with this, with the, the magnitude of KD as a player and, and him likely being out a year and the injury that, that he, that he, you know, I, I don't believe it was a coincidence that the athletic had a report on Sunday that the players were wondering, geez, I thought he'd be back a lot quicker. What's going on? And then hours later, we find out that he's at least going to give it a go. Um, so it, look, I've even heard people say the media is to blame for this. Jalen Rose went on a big feel about how Jalen Rose. the culture that's been created by the media because Kevin Durant had to go out there and play because he had to prove all the doubters wrong. Look, Kevin Durant's a perfect example of a guy who wants to be regarded as the greatest but wants nothing that comes with it. He's Kevin Durant, and he's proven that he is as thin-skinned as anybody. And I can understand, like, there's something to be said about always wanting to stand up for yourself and firing back at people. But there's also, you have to understand, for what you do, there's going to be people that find ways to criticize you, and you can't respond to all of them because that's exactly what they want. And the fact that he can't do that makes me think that maybe he did say, screw it, i got to go shut you know, yes. Chris Broussard up or something like that. And if Kevin Durant was told, hey, it's not worth it, it's not safe, we don't need you, worry about your future, and he said, the hell with it, i got to go shut people up, i got to go zip the mouths of the talking heads, and he's a certified dumbass. That's a, that's a bad move on his part. Now, I also know players are always going to want to go play, but in the end, it's probably not one specific person at fault, but then again, I'm not shocked that that's kind of where people are going with this, because just think of the, the aftermath of, of Monday night. I mean, you had a GM they crying at the at the podium after a game after one of the NBA Finals games is that Kevin Durant was dead. So I guess when you saw the reaction from Bob Myers, I think that led to people saying, and he also probably just wanted to fall on the sword. But he even said those words: "If you want to blame somebody, you can blame me." Well, first of all, Jalen Rose. I don't know if we're just getting more of him because he's on Get Up every morning for a couple hours a day. We definitely are seeing more of him because of that. Yeah, like he's getting to the like Jay Williams out of his mind. Half of his takes. Both of them on, both of them on Get Up say insanely dumbass things. Yeah, so we have a, a listener to the show, uh, my buddy Ed, uh, who I've mentioned before. He's a Kentucky fan from Kentucky. He's Asian. Shout out, Ed. He calls himself the Asian Andre Andre McGee uh, because he took me to a restaurant one time, and it was was a nice restaurant in a nice part of town. We went out for happy hour, and – you know, it was uh, there was plenty of women of the night on the clock there, so he calls himself the Asian Andre McGee, so shout out to him. But he's been yelling at me for weeks to get Jay Williams on this show to debate him about the merits of, you know, because Jay Williams was the guy that was, like, literally clapping on set when R.J. Hampton, uh, when R.J. Hampton, like, declared that he was going to go to Australia, and Jay Williams is, like, Mr. Anti-NCAA, and so to get it back to Jalen Rose, it's just like, we're getting a little too much of those two guys over the course of this summer, but anyways, so first of all, what I think is really interesting about the whole media concept is, I and, and I'm one where sometimes I'll say, let's blame the media, right? Like, when a stupid kid uh, declares for the draft, even though he knows he's not getting drafted, like, yeah, we blame the media on that one because the media has convinced these kids that being in college basketball and playing at Michigan State or Kentucky or Michigan or Kansas is the worst thing on the planet. Like, I blame the media for that. But on the opposite side, if we're going to blame the media, I actually blame Kevin Durant 
for listening to the media. And I'll give you an example. This is something that uh, Artie Spanier, my radio partner, and I got in an argument with the other night. You know, if, if KD rushed back to prove his doubters wrong, right, and that's kind of the concept of blaming the media, think about the opposite perspective with Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard in San Antonio last year believed that he had an injury. The doctor said he was fine. His teammates said he's milking it. Tony Parker came out and said, I had the same injury. It shouldn't take this long. And Kawhi was like, no, like I'm hurt and I'm not going to go out there and risk my whole career. And now look at Kawhi. He's on pace to be finals MVP if the Raptors can close this thing out. So if we're going to blame the media, then we're really blaming Kevin Durant for being stupid enough to listen to us, right? No doubt. I mean, I, I'd never even thought about the Kawhi thing, but he got a, I mean, he was increasingly the perfect example of a guy who just doesn't really care at all about anything. Exactly. What anybody says or and thinks, it's he out well for it. That's a gift that he has. But yeah, I mean, he was being, I mean, he, he's very close to being the third player ever to be an NBA Finals MVP for two different teams. And a year ago today, he was literally under a ton of scrutiny. People claiming he's a bad guy. Yep. No, and it's 100% true. And that was basically what Arnie and I got into an argument about was last Saturday. He's like, do you think Kevin Durant's coming back? And I said, I think he's going to trust his body. And I think he's going to come back when he feels like he's ready to play. And, uh, you know, Arnie was and I said, I was like, you know, a lot like Kevin Durant last year. And Arnie's like, well, yeah, but but uh, Kevin, Durant, you know, Kawhi sat out a whole year and he quit on his team. And I'm like, no, he didn't quit on his team. He just didn't believe that he was healthy enough to play and he didn't care what the doctor said. So I, I'm on board with you on all that. Uh, by the way, Bob Myers. So I watched that press conference live. And maybe it was because I was with my fiance and she's a, a sweet angel and, you know, has the heart of gold. I didn't pick up. Like, a lot of people are, are arguing that those tears were, uh, you know, a little bit manufactured for the moment. Where do you stand on that? Because I was watching, I was like, oh, man, this guy's broken up. And then, like, uh, I don't know, five minutes later, everyone on my Twitter feed was like, bro, did you notice how an actual tear never did come out of his, uh, you know, never did actually come out? I have a gift. I have a hidden talent that I can okay. detect fake crying very, very <laughs> well. And I think what he meant could have been sincere. I think he could have said everything he said, but what it sounded like to me was him attempting to muster up one tear to come out. And yeah. <laughs> I would imagine I would imagine Myers hasn't done a lot of crying in his life. He's lived a pretty good life. But I just to me it sounded very, very much forced. But I mean, you know, he didn't have to actually bring tears to the whole thing. Just saying what he said, I think it would have been a little more genuine had he, had he not had the fake tears trying to come out. Interesting. And also, he's going to want to say all that because, I mean, I think now out of guilt, they're going to be, not out of guilt only, but also him being one of the best players on the planet is a factor, but they want to make sure they put themselves in a good position to keep him if they can. Yeah, and that that was kind of what the reaction was that I was surprised by was, oh, you know, one, either he's faking it, or two, um, that like... Like, the Warriors are to blame, right? Like, the Warriors, they claim they're so much smart. And this this part, I think, is fair. Is, like, they claim, oh, we're so much smarter than everybody. I mean, the, the owner's exact quote, which I think is why a lot of people like me don't like the Warriors, is because 
um, the owner said, oh, we're light years ahead of everyone else. And it's like, no, bro. Like, you struck lightning in a bottle, then you lost, and then you signed the second best player on the planet. Um, and that this was basically going against them being kind of quote-unquote smart, and this was being desperate. This was forcing KD back before he was ready. So that was a lot of it. By the way, I did see one other good take. I want to give a shout-out. So I'm going to get crushed for saying this, but I actually really like his show, and it's not just because I've been on it. Jason Whitlock, I don't know if you've watched his show, it's actually really good, and he brings up really interesting points. Um, and, like, whatever. He's in the Fox family, like, whatever. But, like, I know he he gets criticized. But I thought he brought up a really good point on this, Nick, is they asked him about Steve Kerr. And I don't know if you saw this, but Steve Kerr was asked at the podium, like, point blank, do, you know, should you have played Kevin Durant, whatever. And Steve Kerr goes, yeah, you got to ask Bob Myers on that. And Whitlock brought up the good point, which I actually liked a lot. He was like – Uh, so Steve Kerr has an opinion on everything that goes on in the White House, every police shooting, every social issue in America, but when it comes to playing his best player, he's just all of a sudden has no opinion and is going to defer to the GM. I thought that was actually a really interesting point. Oh yeah, no doubt. Um, there are other people that, that also kind of do that, that will obviously speak when it's very convenient and they can, it's just somebody who knows the influence that can be made when you are a person that has a platform to talk because you're a notable figure. Um, and yeah, that, that, I didn't even hear that he said that, but to me that would scream that he, you know, is, is withholding something. Yeah. I don't know if he's withholding anything. I think maybe he just regrets, you know, like, like he doesn't want to be well, I mean, I, responsible. I think if, if he was to say that he, if he, if he was to say that he was the lead, I think it would be a bad look on him, even if it's understandable, right? Speaker wants to freaking win. He wants his best player out there. But like, I think emotionally right after that ends, if he was to say, yeah, I was the one who, you know, went to Bob Myers and said, talk to him. We need him. Yeah, I think he would probably kind of look bad. Yeah, I, I don't. I, mean, I, just, I, I highly, I highly doubt it was just a Bob Myers thing. You know what I mean? And that's kind of the way he yeah. made it sound. Well, and that's and that's why, and that's why, like, I'm not in a rush to just like, oh, like, we gotta blame somebody. Let's, is it Bob Myers? Is it like, it's like, dude, you know, we have medical professionals, and actually, uh, coming up, Seth Greenberg, like uh, later on in the show, I actually asked him about that, and I said. And he said, listen, I always left it up to my doctors. I've never once made a decision on whether a kid's healthy enough to play or not, whatever. And so I kind of took that mentality of like, okay, probably Steve Kerr probably had nothing to do with it. Bob Myers probably had nothing to do with it, uh, whatever. So real quick, let's move on. Game six is tonight when people listen. It's Thursday. Some of you won't listen till Friday, and Nick and I will probably look stupid. Uh, did Toronto miss their window, Nick? Because I'll tell you, you're up six, two and a half minutes to go. Like, it felt like it was theirs, it was there, and it was this wild thing. I even said it on your show when I came on Tuesday, uh, 790KRD, is like, you know, it was just like the Raptors had it, the Raptors had it, the Raptors had it, the Raptors lost it, and then the game was over. Like, Kyle Lowry took that shot, and it was like, oh, the game's over now. They were just up by, like, six points a minute ago. Do you think they missed their window? Do you think the Warriors can come back? I'm kind of uh, back and forth on this one. But uh, I don't know. I, I it, it certainly. I mean, uh, I think the the ending of the ending of Game Five. What it did for me is it truly put it to where nothing would shock you. Toronto is still clearly a better overall team when they're at full strength. When the Warriors don't have a guy like Kevin Durant, but also the ultimate moment was Steph Curry, Clay Thompson doing what they did at the end, reeling off three straight threes to cut a. Three uh, three point deficit to or a six point deficit to a three point lead. Like when they did that, 
we kind of got lost in how insanely impressive and clutch that was because that's just what they do. That's who they are. That's their identity. Like, it's not a shot that you didn't hit insane shots in pressure situations. So Toronto, they could come back. Look, they could play better when they're at, uh, at in Oakland. So maybe they'll just come out and just be the better team and, and maybe Steph will give you a big night. Thompson maybe struggles a little bit. Like, neither either of these teams can, can win this thing. I will say this, in a weird way, the more that Golden State wins, like, I think the game five of that loss for Toronto did kind of feel like they missed their mark, but they still have a lead in this series. But if they go to game six on Thursday and they let that one slip away and let's say the Warriors are in control for the majority of the game, in a rare situation, I think this thing goes to game seven with Toronto, and at that point, I don't think they'll win. I think they will, they will look like the team that they did down the stretch where Kawhi Leonard, of course, has been in the NBA Finals. He has a Finals MVP on his resume. He came up huge. That 10 that ten zero run that he had by himself was absolutely insane. In fact, it really was the only time it felt like he was a huge factor in the game. But everybody else, when it got late, I don't think they played um, like a team that had been there because they haven't been there. So I actually think if, if Toronto's going to win it, I think it needs to be Thursday night. If it goes back to uh, – if it goes back uh, – Back or if it goes back to uh, Oakland, I'm sorry. If it goes back to Oakland for, uh, I'm sorry, if it goes back to Toronto for Game 7, then I just think the pressure would be so monumental given the fact that at one point they tr- they led this thing 3-1, to one, and in the three wins they have, they clearly look like the better team. I, I don't disagree, and it, it was funny because I even said that before Game 5. I said, regardless of KD being there or not, I said if they somehow, if they being the Warriors somehow win Game 5, uh, well, then it feels a lot like 2016 when the Cavaliers came back down from 3-1, right? You, you win game five, you're able to win that game. Obviously, in the Cavs' case, that was the game Draymond Green was suspended. But then game six is at home, which the Warriors are going to get at home. And then game seven, all the pressure is on the Raptors. So I'll be curious to see, uh, and I'll tell you, like, I'm kind of with you, is if the Warriors can't close this thing, or if the Raptors can't close this thing out at Oracle Arena where they've already won twice, that is a lot of pressure to put on them going into Game 7. Really quick, Nick, we'll wrap. I'm going to, I think, Sunday, probably for Monday's show, talk a lot of NBA draft. We're starting to now get green room invites, and we're starting to this, and we're starting to that. Uh, Nick will be celebrating Father's Day, so I won't be bothering him. But I would ask you... Um, I don't know if it's because of the finals. I don't know what it is. I feel like there's just no buzz about this draft at all. I think it actually might be because, let's be honest, we kind of already know who the top three picks are going to be, in what order, where they're going. Are you with me? Does this does this draft just feel like there really isn't all that much to talk about? Yeah, two things. One, it's insane that the lottery itself the, the ping pong ball situation, that got more attention than it ever has. Sure. Just because, of course, somebody was going to get Zion Williamson, a guy who is the most highly touted prospect in the NBA since LeBron James. Um, but yeah, I didn't even realize the draft was this close. Makes sense. It always takes place in late June. But I think another factor would be is that it's very top heavy. I mean, outside of one, two, three, and we pretty much know who one, two, three is going to be, you're going to get some good value, but. There's just such a huge gap there between those three and everybody else. Yeah, well, there you go. I, th- I think that's it. I, d- I just I don't know what else there is to say. And maybe if the finals were to say end on Thursday, uh, you know, then then maybe we do transition into draft. But yeah, I just I, I don't think there's very much. Uh, I will 
talk a little bit more about it on the next episode. Anyone else that you're intrigued or excited or interested to see where they land, who they land with? I mean, the obvious names would be, you know, DeAndre Hunter, Jarrett, Jarrett Culver, Cam Reddish, P.J. Washington, Tyler Hero, anybody? I, I want to see what happens with Kelvin Johnson now. Yeah. We do this every year. The only thing we can truly look at is mock drafts. And mock drafts, I mean, some of them are together by people who might have some info, but if you really think about it, no NBA team's ever going to put out there what they're actually going to do. Sometimes it's just fairly obvious. But Kelvin Johnson is a guy that for a long time was just a consensus top 15 pick. And there are some that actually think he could slip out of the first round, which, you know, I actually would understand that just because I feel like although he had a good freshman year, I feel like he didn't really excel in one specific area, and that's kind of what you need to be in the NBA is a guy who can – there's one thing you know you can count on. Um, Tyler Hero, on the other hand, a guy who a lot of people probably didn't expect to be a one-and-done before he ever played for Kentucky. He may be the first guy taken. He got a great room fight. So I'm kind of intrigued by that. And like every year, not that I'm rooting to see bad situations, but um, I'm just anxious to see the list of guys who clearly had more eligibility left but decided to go pro and won't get drafted. Yeah, I'll say this. I think I was really right on Keldon Johnson and really wrong on Tyler Hero because I did say post-college basketball season, I said I think both of them should consider coming back. I said Tyler Hero's really inconsistent. He was up, he was down, he was this, he was that. I think what I underestimated is the value of being a dead-eye shooter in the NBA right now. And I know that anybody that's watched him knows he's more than a shooter. He can score at all three levels. But, I mean, when this is a guy, and I listen, I'll admit it, sometimes I'm wrong. And I, I do think I was wrong on him because I think a lot of the stuff that are his issues, which is just getting into better shape, stuff like that, that will be worked out when basketball is his full-time job if, in fact, you know he takes it seriously, which there's no reason to think he won't. I also think I was really right on Keldon Johnson. I was really wrong on Tyler Hero, really right on Keldon Johnson. And my whole thing with him is exactly what you said, Nick, is it's great that you have these measurables, that you're 6'7", and you're, you have this wingspan, and you have this. Like, but what does it translate to on the court? And that was my thing the moment the season ended and the moment Keldon Johnson made it pretty clear that he was not only declaring for the draft, but he was going to stay in the draft, is... Like, what does he do at an NBA level? And I know he plays really hard, and I know he's got a lot of energy, but there's a lot of guys in the NBA that play really hard. And you have to, your your number one skill can't be effort and energy. Um, there just aren't too many guys like that in the NBA that th- they get by simply on effort and energy. Now, ironically, one that immediately comes to mind is a guy that you watched really closely is Montrez Harrell. But the point being is that, like, I just never. I never bought the notion, like you, Nick, that just because a mock draft said this or whatever, that this kid was going to go there. And you start thinking about the guys that are going to get drafted ahead of him that that you feel pretty confident in. Um, And you start going down the list, and all of a sudden, you get to, like you said, 18, 20, 22, and there's a lot of guys ahead of him that work themselves ahead of him, whether it's uh, you know a Jarrett Culver, who nobody had that high coming into the season, Brandon Clark from Gonzaga. You can go on and on and on down the list. But like you said, I, I don't know that he'll fall out of the first round, but like I don't think I would be totally shocked if it happened. And that was one, like I said, I, I don't claim to, to, to be an expert. Well, I don't claim to always be right. I do like to brag a little bit about being right sometimes, but uh, I missed on Tyler Hero. I think I was really right on Keldon Johnson, though. 
Yeah, I think where Kelvin Johnson is as a player today as he enters the league, it is so important to just find a good situation. Situations yep. are huge for every NBA player because there's so such few roster spots, and you got to find where you fit. If not, you'll just kind of get lost and, and dissolve out of the league. I think that's kind of where Kelvin Johnson is. He's just going to have to find a team that, that can, you know, he could end up going to a good team and just come in and give them energy here and there, and they could, like, let it slowly develop to whereas if he goes to a team that, you know, he's, let's say he ends up in like Sacramento or something, a team that's not very good, but they've got some young pieces and they're slowly but surely getting better. I can just see him kind of getting lost there. So, yeah, he, in a weird way, despite not really having a lot of buzz right now, he is somebody that I'm kind of anxious to see where it all, where it, you know, where it unfolds. Now, with Hero, I think you're spot on. If you could just stand there and knock it down the way he can and, and you have the size that he has, he's not a great defender, but he could easily be hidden in a in, in an NBA game and not be a liability for you. Like that guy can play 15 years in the league. I mean, and, he, and it's not, and look, it's not as if he can only shoot; he can do other things too. In fact, he was much better at other things than than people realize. I think he coming out of high school, we just thought he was a shooter, but he showed a lot more to his game than I think anybody knew that he had. Very good. Uh, I will continue some draft stuff on Sunday's show for Monday. But I will let Nick go. Uh, Nick, you can hear him every day, 12, 7 to 10. I don't know why I keep saying 12 to 3. I even have it written down <laughs> on my paper. 7 to 10 Eastern, 790 KRD in Louisville. Podcast is blowing up. Not just this podcast, but Nick's podcast is Sweeping America. Uh, Nick, follow him on, on Twitter, at the Card Connect. Nick, that's all I really got for you, man. Is there anything else you want to throw out? I mean, we have went from Women's World Cup to nitty-gritty NBA draft big boards. I think we gave the people what we want. We covered a lot of ground today. No doubt. All over the place. Uh, but a lot of good, in a time where a lot of people say there's tough fun stuff to talk about it, we never have that problem. Never have that problem. All right, that is all for Nick Coffey. Again, listen to him, 790 KRD in Louisville. Uh, please, before you go, uh, well, by the way, Seth, Seth Greenberg's coming up. Before you go, please make sure to subscribe to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, iTunes, Use the Podcast Addict app if you have an Android. Tune in radio, Pod Paradise. Also, rate and review the show. Five stars are encouraged. Follow us on Instagram at Aaron underscore Torres. Follow or ask questions. If you have questions, Aaron Torres Podcast questions at gmail.com. That is all. Shout out to our buddy Torrent Craig. I hope he's doing well. And now it is time for Seth Greenberg. All right, and joining me on the phone now, he is a former college basketball head coach, one of the faces of ESPN College Basketball coverage, here to talk about a little NBA, a little college hoops, and the TBT, the basketball tournament, which will tip off here in a few weeks on ESPN. Seth Greenberg's on the phone. Seth, how are you doing today? What is happening? I better I couldn't stand myself. Well, listen, it, there is, it, it's a great time. It's summer. I saw you golfing on one of the most iconic golf courses uh, in the world the other day. So, first of all, I'm sure America wants to know, you're, you're part of our lives every day from early November till early April. How is the summer going before we get into all the hoop stuff? It's kind of been interesting because I've been doing more NBA stuff. Like, I'm going tomorrow to New York, you know, actually tonight to be right up tomorrow morning, and then I'm going to be uh Thursday Sports Center talking about, obviously, the NBA championships. So I've got the TBT this summer for two weekends. I've got some speaking. So i got a good life. I get a chance to talk ball, play a little golf, uh, try to stay busy, do a little NBA summer league in uh, July. So life is good. 
Very good. And I, I you know, I do kind of want to talk to you a little bit about the NBA. We'll get into some college hoop stuff in a minute. But I mean, this is the story in all of sports. You and I are recording here on Tuesday afternoon. We'll probably run this a little later in the week. But this Kevin Durant thing is is, you know, I think even regardless of who wins the championship or not, this is a story that's going to kind of have legs for months and, and maybe potentially years at a time. Um, just, you know, first of all, your initial reactions, I'm sure you were watching like everybody else was on Monday night game five, uh, Raptors have the chance to close out the series, but of course Durant, uh, comes back from injury, re-injures himself. And as we record here on Tuesday, it's a little speculative on how serious this injury is, but it's not good. It's, you know, devastating. I mean, if you're a basketball fan, you just, you appreciate Kevin Durant, his skill set, his length, his athleticism, his shot making. Uh, he's a he's a guy that loves ball. I, you know, I guess you have to see him when he was in high school and watched him work out a whole lot and obviously followed his career. And uh, You know, he's a generational player, generational talent. He's the most, right now, today, he was the most impactful player in, in the NBA uh, with you know, basically just his skill set. To see that happen, to see how it happened, uh, to, you know, obviously the conversation's going to come about should he have even tried? Was it his idea? Was it the team's idea? Was it peer pressure? Uh, and everything that goes surrounds it. Uh, you know, only Kevin knows that, but that injury is a tough injury. Uh, but I do think he will make a full cut recovery because of his body type, because his game is it has that shooting and scoring element. Uh, because uh, you know, you look at him and, and, and you look at a guy that has always been in world-class shape and guys that are in world-class shape, even though the process is difficult, uh, seem to come back from those type of injuries or any type of injury uh, a little bit faster and a little bit better. As a former coach, I mean, you, you, you hit on kind of what has become a talking point right now is should anyone be responsible? Did Kevin Durant, as you said, maybe feel peer pressure? Only Kevin Durant knows, but I mean, as a former coach, I mean, what is that fine line between a kid, and I know there's a difference between college and pro, but a, a, a young man wanting to help the team, and where do you kind of have to draw the line in the sand? And I'm not saying Steve Kerr should have, but just where do you draw the line in the sand as a coach between wanting to help the team and actually, uh, you know, making sure that the guy is ready to go and not putting himself at harm's risk? I always put it to my medical staff. I never made a decision whether a guy could play or not play. Never been part of the conversation, never been part of dialogue. dialogue. Uh, you know, basically the medical staff, uh, along with his support system, probably came up with that decision. Uh, and I think that as it Take yourself out of the conversation. You take yourself out of the equation because, quite honestly, uh, you're not educated enough to help make that decision. The player knows his body, and the doctors and the medical staff, they know the medical implications and, and where that person is in their rehab. So uh, and I, I would be shocked if they let him play, if they thought there was any chance of him getting hurt. I'd be disappointed. Uh, I can't see, and I know people say, well, Kevin's such a competitor, he's going to play no matter what tonight. Well, why all of a sudden, you know, in game five? Yeah. So, uh, I, I couldn't, I, I personally said I didn't see a scenario where he would play unless he was 100%. Obviously, he's not. When you're dealing with your calf, obviously, you know, it's putting greater pressure on other parts of your body, and uh, it's tragic. It's, uh, it's a non-contact injury, and, uh, 
it's going to change the whole dynamic of the summer and free agency this summer also. 100%. you have any quick thoughts on the rest of the series now that we know that Duran is out going forward? I think Toronto's going to win a Golden State. I know Golden State's going to be crazy last game in the Oracle, and you know, Steph has been incredible. I just don't think Nick Nurse lets two guys beat him. But I think for, for Golden State to win, Boogie's going to have to step up and play at a high level. Um, I like the matchups. Without Durant, Siakam will have a greater impact in the game. Uh, I look for Nick Nurse to put Boogie in a ton of ball screens uh, with Leonard, especially late. And I would think that they're going to ask Kyle Lowry to be more aggressive from the beginning. Very good. I, I do want to hit on a couple kind of college basketball topics, and then, as I said, we will talk about the TBT, the turn, the basketball tournament that's coming later this summer. So uh, one thing is this, and I, I thought you'd be have a really unique perspective on this. Uh, I can't. It, we've had in college basketball right now the grad transfer has become a big thing. Uh, high school stars are kind of waiting longer to kind of evaluate roster situations. But I could never have imagined, even three to five to seven, eight years ago, that so much of the college basketball, like everything that's going to happen last year, so much of it has happened since the season ended. I mean, North Carolina's added pieces, Kentucky's added pieces, Arizona's added pieces, Kansas just took a transfer earlier this week that's on top of the NBA draft deadline. So I'm just curious from a former coach's perspective, I'm sure you're in communication probably daily with with current coaches did you ever see a day where april to june would be like the craziest college basketball time even though no games are being played well the, the calendar has changed i mean it's real simple uh deadline for withdrawal for the draft finishes uh obviously you know, that's been a big thing i think there's a only marketing recruiting it used to be you know High school kids, it used to be junior college, it used to be prep school, it used to be tra the transfer market. Now we've got the 50 year transfer market or the potential exemption transfer market. Mm -hmm. So, the, you know, the, the calendar in recruiting has changed. And then, you know, I think the other thing that's, you know, kind of been, uh, you know, an interesting scenario is that uh, the actual recruiting college changed. And the coaches now, they have to recruit them up in June. They're all out to recruit this weekend. I mean, Father's Day weekend around here at the, uh, the, the, the NBA Players Association Top 100. There's two events in, in, in June. There's two events in July. It's obviously the normal July weekend or Wednesday to Sunday uh, with the Peach Jam weekend. And, uh, the whole recruiting calendar, the problem we had is we obviously had the issues in college basketball, and then we overreacted to the issues in terms of changing the calendar uh, look, they're good and bad in every walk of life. Every single AU guy is not the evil empire. Most of them, 98% of them, are really good for young people. The system as it was in place was very good. Uh, we're, we're having states run events that don't want to run events. Uh, people don't know where guys are playing. Uh, kids are going to be playing on these uh, USA basketball-sponsored events with guys they've never played with before. So we've made a lot of changes to the uh, recruiting calendar that but honestly, not very good for college basketball and not very good for the kids. I don't disagree with any of that. Um, I mean, I'm, look, I'm sure... Small people don't... Hey, hey, I can tell you, small people don't disagree with me. <laughs> very good. Well, let me ask you, I was going to actually ask you then, 
because one of the other talking points this summer has been kind of the new NBA draft deadline rules. Where do you stand on players being able to have agents uh, and really just this process, uh, for lack of a better term, I think it the right word is probably the only thing that we could say is paralyze the sport as a lot of coaches now, it used to be, right, you, you could get an agent and once the kid got an agent, you knew he was gone. Now they have agents, some are staying, some are going. Any thoughts on that? Well, my biggest problem with the agent thing is, uh, you know, look, they should have representation. My son-in-law played baseball at Virginia Tech. He was a potential pro prospect. He had an agent that, you know, basically advised him. The difference is, you know, agents on campus, agents, I might this here. So, uh, the week of finals, I think it's the week prior to finals now, you can't uh, work out with your players. But the players, whose names put in for the NBA draft, an agent can send a guy to work your guy out. An agent can send you to work out for a team. Okay. Uh, so now you've got agents infiltrating these, these campuses. And then let's face let's be honest. Now, I said this way back again, I mean, uh, way back before the scandal even hit. Every good player, every good AAU program, they have some type of an affiliation yeah. with an agent and money manager. And if you don't think that, your head's in the sand. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't disagree. I mean, so as far as I listen, I, yeah, I know you just, I, I thought you were going to keep going there. You caught me off guard when you finished and no, I, I listen, first of all, I agree with all this. I don't claim to be a recruiting expert, but I go to enough AAU events over the course of a summer. I go to, uh, I've been to Adidas nations where I've seen you working up a sweat, getting guys going, uh, you know, all these big events. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just curious. Just, just, are these steps in the right direction? I mean, everyone is a little bit different. Do you think, in in general, are we in a better place than we were 18 months ago? Is is the information just more public, but we're not in any better of a place? I mean, where do you kind of stand on that? Yeah, I, don't, I think we're in a worse place, quite honestly. Yeah. I think that uh, there's more chaos, and if you look at the, NC, uh, the FBI investigation, what did it really solve? we got a group of people that are going to jail that committed entry level violations. I don't look at this criminal offenses, especially when you look at the big picture of what's happening in the academic scandal in Hollywood and across, you know, that that conversation. And you know, to me, uh the changes that we're making uh are not going to change the manner in which people conduct business because we might as well just eliminate compliance offices. Sure. Uh, because there are people still coaching that names come throughout these trials, and they're untouchable, yet we're sending some people that make bad choices. There's no doubt about it. And uh, But uh, the idea that uh, Jimmy Gatto is going to jail, that Brooke Richardson is going to jail, uh, I, I, to me, I don't see it. I, I, I don't see that as uh, progress, and I, don't, I just, uh, I think the changes we're making are cosmetic and, and really aren't going to have any impact whatsoever on how people conduct this. All right, so I don't want to sound like the old man on the lawn here. Then I promise we'll get to the TBT. But, you know, as I said, I don't, I don't claim to be a recruiting guru or anything like that. But I, I go to enough of these events. And, you know, Adam Silver's now talking about removing the one-and-done rule. And that's fine for a kid like Zion Williamson. That's kid for, fine for a kid like R.J. Barrett. But I also talk to these parents and these players. And I think, like, something that I, I talked to somebody about the other week is I think – the entire culture of basketball is off, right? Where you gotta you gotta turn pro because you gotta start your clock, you gotta start your professional clock, and then it's like 
Yeah, but what if you're three years in and you were not ready when you got there? You're not signing that max extension if, one, you don't get drafted, and, two, you don't perform. And so I think, you know, and to, to relate it back to the NBA Finals, you know, everybody sees a guy like Fred Van Vliet who went undrafted who has been unbelievable in these uh, NBA Finals, but they don't see that he, there was only one roster spot available, that he happened to get it, and that there were probably five or six guys just as good as him uh, that just there wasn't a spot available for him. So I guess what I'm trying to ask is the, the culture of basketball, like, is it – I just feel like it's going in the complete wrong direction. There are people in the media, oh, let these kids do whatever. They, it's like I, I, I don't personally disagree with that. If you do, you can tell me I'm wrong. Uh, but I just kind of – you're a perfect person to kind of ask this topic. Well, I think the biggest thing is you've got to realize everyone's going to run their own race. Sure. And so, you know, too much right now, everyone wants to run someone else's race. Just they, you know, yeah. you know, like people say, well, you know, because of what happened to RJ Hampton, you know, everyone's going to go overseas. No, they're not going to all go overseas. That's not realistic. That's not going to happen. So I, I think what's happening is that, you know, we get seduced. Uh, young players get seduced. Certain guys don't want to go to college. They don't want to go to school. Uh you're going to see a lot of lives. They're going to invest some more money in the, in the G League, and you're going to see a lot of lives ruined, quite honestly, because you're going to get a bunch of kids stopping to go to high school, thinking they're going to be pros. They're not pros. Someone's going to tell them they're going to be pros. They're going to kind of banter around and, and, and maybe in the G League, maybe Europe, which is very hard, and then four years from now, they're going to be no better off than they were, and they have nowhere else to go back to because they didn't spend a year on campus where they could have gone back to. So, uh We'll see what happens, but, uh, I mean, you know, to me, when I look at Adam Silver, he's trying to create these scenarios. He's trying to create the scenarios that's best for him. I'm not sure the best for the game of basketball. I'm not sure the best for the kids. Surely not very good for college basketball. Yeah, no, and it's something that I know a lot of kind of the recruiting guys brought up last summer is, you know, hey, we're waiting for Condoleezza Rice to show up to one of our events. We want to show you guys what we're about, blah, 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 this and that. And that's been my stance on Adam Silver for a long time is – okay, I understand that whatever, but, like, by the way, college basketball was a very productive kind of marketable venture for Zion Williamson. Like, Zion Williamson made tens of millions of dollars by going to college basketball for one year. So uh, I don't want to end on all negatives because I feel like, you know, I, listen, first of all, two smart guys talking. We're, we're making a lot of sense here, but uh, some of the not-so-good topics. But I do want to talk about TBT, the basketball tournament. Um First of all, have you been involved from the beginning? Because I was amazed just reading some literature that got sent to me how much it's grown just in the two, three, four years that it's been around, how much bigger it's getting going into the summer of 2019. This is my third year involved with it, but I follow it. So, I mean, it's great. Look, summer basketball is great. I love the alumni teams. I love the teams that are created for a cause, like Team ALS and, and things of that nature. Uh, I think it gives people a chance to get back together and have one more share to experience, put that uniform on one more time, and the teams are good. Like, everyone's trying to catch overseas elite. Well, the reason overseas elite is good is because they play really good basketball. They have a maturity and a toughness about them. You can collect pros. You can collect players. No marshmallows allowed. I mean, you're not tough and competitive. You're not winning in this tournament. And uh, the basketball is very good. And the, right now, the, the level of player in the tournament is off the charts. Yeah, I was actually looking at some of the press releases today and just some of the names that are in this tournament uh, are through the roof. By the way, give us the scouting report on Overseas Elite. I don't claim to be a uh, TBT expert, but uh, obviously I assume they're the reigning champs. I mean, what do we need to kind of know about them? 
Overseas Elite is a team of grown men. Okay. Uh, they're going to start off in the Richmond region, which means they're going to have to get through VCU and Ram Nation. But, you know, you're talking about Andre Kane, who played at Iowa State. He can get a shot anytime he wants. You're talking about physical. Jeremy Pargo, jump shot, making do. Uh, C.J. McCollum is not going to play. That's going to be a big loss because he made big shots uh, for them. But B.J. Kennedy, he's kind of like, he is, the, to me, the most uh, impactful player in the TBT because he can play any position. Okay. Uh, he's really, really good player. But just they play really good basketball. And they, they find a way to win. They've got a toughness about it. They've added some players to their roster. Uh, they've got a confidence in the physicality. And you're going to be in Lexington for the Lexington Regional, correct? I'm going to be Le- I'm going to be Lexington and Syracuse. Yeah. Okay. All right. Very good. TBT yeah. gets started mid July, somewhere. I think July 19th is the official uh, jumping off point here. So it's uh, it's coming fast. But Seth, this was fun. I I genuinely appreciate it. Uh, I know you're a very busy man. Uh, you know, with the stuff you're doing this summer, with with the golf outings, all that stuff, but. Uh, this is a lot of fun. I genuinely appreciate the time. Uh, we look forward to kind of seeing you this summer on the TBT circuit. And I uh, hope to talk to you again soon, my friend. You got it, man. Thank you very much. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.